0: i here to ask you one question and one question only. What's your point? What's your point? What's your point? What's your point? So what's your point? What's your point? What's your point?
1: What's your point, huh? What's your point? What's your point? What's your point? This is what's your point. What's your point? What was his point? I have no idea. Dude, I don't get it. I don't get it either.
2: And now, here are your hosts. Dalvin Osorio. This doesn't matter what your
1: name is! And Polly Brzez. Do I have everybody's attention now? On uh, Turn on the Jets Digital. Welcome to What's Your Point? It's your weekly New York Jets debate show. It's like PTI, but edgier, and with only Jets topics. My name is Scott Mason. I will be the moderator for this affair. So let me introduce you to your combatants. First, he's such a badass that he's stealing the nickname Nigerian Nightmare from Christian Okoye. I call him the bad boy of Vimeo. He's a great writer at TurnOnTheJets.com, responsible for my favorite feature over there, the Twitter summary. You can follow him online at Jets and Jolliffe. Mr. Dan Essien. Dan, what's going on,
2: man? What's up? What's up, Scott? Really, really glad to uh, to finally get on the show. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Uh, I, I know I have a A pretty worthy opponent on the other side you
1: absolutely do because your opponent is a man that is known far and wide as the unofficial mayor of syracuse in fact when he walks through the carrier dome everybody does the wayne's world we're not worthy we're not worthy to him so he's a pretty big deal in central new york you can follow him on twitter at greg armstrong underscore mr greg armstrong what's going on greg
0: Everybody outside of Syracuse thinks that Jim Beheim runs the city, but everyone inside knows I run the city. You're goddamn right.
1: You want to talk about <laughs> running cities, you know who runs Gotham City? Our next guest. He is the man who will be deciding your fate today, Greg and Dan. He's the guest judge. He knows the Knicks. Like I know tricks. it's true. It's a great serial. Silly Rabbit, Tricks are for kids. He is the digital media director for Gotham Sports Network, Mr. Andrew Claudio. What's going on, Andrew?
3: Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I look forward to moderating us arguing about this football team. (laughs)
1: Let's see if you feel the same way by the time we're done Fingers crossed I hope you're not putting pins and needles In Greg, Dan, and Scott voodoo dolls That's what I'm hoping for (laughs) at the end of this show With that said Let me talk about the rules a little bit For those of you that are unfamiliar Or if you forgot or whatever the case may be This is how it works It's four rounds, it's modified presidential debate format So you will hear one person talk for a minute Then you'll hear a one minute rebuttal And then a rebuttal of the rebuttal At the end of four rounds, if one person is won, that'll be the end of it, and the winner will get 30 seconds to say whatever they want. However, if we are tied after four rounds, then our guest, in this case Andrew, will come up with his own question, and that will be the tiebreaker. I won't know the question ahead of time. Neither will Dan or Greg. So if we get to that point, that is how it will work out. As far as the judging criteria and what Andrew's going to be looking for, It's the two S's and the two C's, style and substance, color and command. So it's not just who made the better point, but it's who made the point more colorfully, who is more entertaining, and quite frankly, if you're funny and do trash talk, you get extra points here on what's your point, because that's how we do things. So with that said, let's jump into the first topic today, and it involves Mr. Darren Lee, who was just suspended for four games for violating the league's substance abuse policy. Don't want to speculate on what that means, but it does mean that he tested positive three times for something. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. But it has provoked a debate on Jets Twitter about how good or bad Darren Lee was this season. Some people saying that he's been a top five player on the team this year. Is that true? Dan, you go first.
2: So I'm going to say that this is true. Uh, So I think that he's made really big improvements to his game. Uh, I think that he's shown a huge step forward in terms of what he's been uh, able to dissect and what he's been able to read from the offense. Um, I think a lot of that is credit to the coaching. I think a lot of that is credit to his teammates. Uh, But you can see that his on-the-field judgment, you know, not discussing the -the off-the-field, but his on-the-field judgment uh, has improved. And I think that as uh, someone like Leonard Williams has uh, kind of faded into black and kind of, uh, you, you can see him kind of ro- uh, rolling down the ranks on the team as he's walking, uh, you know, through the Buffalo Bill Stadium, uh, kind of not willing to make a tackle. <laughs> uh, you can see that his his uh, production has kind of fallen off. And I think someone like Darren Lee kind of stepped into that place. So yeah, I think he is a top five player on this team despite all the other stuff going on. Um, and I think when he's, when his head's on, right. And when he's playing real well and when he's locked in, uh, you can see the difference.
1: That's Dan's point. Greg, what's your point?
2: So when I think of a, a
0: top five player, it's, it's usually a guy that's, that's pretty tough to, to replace. And for all the strides that Darren Lee has made in the Buffalo game, they started Neville Hewitt and, and Kevin Pierre Lewis in his, uh, in his place. And they each had sacks, something that Darren Lee has not done all season. Um, so I think calling him a top five player, I, I don't agree with that. Uh, I, I think he certainly made strides uh, in his game from what we've seen in the, in the first couple of years. But if a top five player can be replaced by replacement level guys like Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Neville Hewitt, and they can each provide a sack, um, I, I really can't
2: give him that top five player nod on this team.
1: Daniel Rebuttal.
2: It's hard for us to, and I know personally for myself, separate what we saw from Darren Lee in the first few seasons uh, from what, we, what we're seeing from him this year, what we saw from him this year, uh, because it was just so bad. Um, I think that sometimes uh, it's almost like the, the fewer times you see or you recognize uh, the bad that's going on, uh, you start to kind of just let that player fade out of mind. And I think that's what's kind of happened with Darren Lee is that he's been so consistent um, and not making the same mistakes that he made last year that it's kind of just like, okay, yeah, fine. He's doing all right. And then you're focusing on the other negatives on the defense and on the offense and things like that. Uh, but I think that his consistency is worthy of a top five spot on this team because there's just so many players that are inconsistent uh, on the, on the roster.
1: Andrew, you heard from Dan, you heard from Greg. What do you think? Who wins this round?
2: Okay, well,
3: first I have to start by saying you both did a great job arguing about the top five players on a 4-9 and nine football team. So, who <laughs> you knows? Just, just making it not sound like this wasn't arguing about whether this linebacker helped this team get to four wins as opposed to three wins. Um, I will say this, Greg you pointed out that Darren Lee had zero sacks I've watched every Jet game this year and I did not realize that so I think that alone might get you the point Dan I I respect that Leonard Williams has had a tough season and I he's taking a step back for sure so that was also a good point but Got to go to Greg here on this one. I I, I did not realize because I, too, have thought, you know, a Darren Lee on a 4-19 and has to be one of the best players. But, like you said, he's easily replaceable. So, point to Greg for that round.
1: There you go. Greg on the board with a one nothing lead as we Heck head yeah. into round number two. Greg is pumped up and fired up and ready to go. Let's see if he can build on this and get to a 2 nothing lead. And if he's going to do it, it's going to be on this topic, which is... We are about to get team MVP voting. It's going to go down very, very soon. Some people have suggested that the team MVP should be Jason Myers. I may or may not have teased Michael Nania about that, because if you don't know, our own Michael Nania has taken it on the chin most of the season for the fact that he derided Jason Myers through the preseason, and he's actually been really, really good this year. But the question is, for as good as Myers has been, should he be the team MVP, or is it a little crazy to give team MVP to a kicker? This time, we will start with you, Greg.
0: I look at it as if we want to give the MVP to Jason Myers, we also have to give the, MD, the co-MVP to Todd Bowles for putting the Jets in the situation for Myers to kick as many field goals as he had this year. <laughs> uh, I'm going with my man, Jamal Adams. He's the life of this entire football team. His, the way that he's come back this year for the critics that criticized him last year for his, his you know, struggles in coverage. So I didn't really think that it was that bad. His ability this year to be all over the field. He can play in the box. He can play in the slot. You can line him up outside against Gronk. His stats have jumped. It wasn't just watching on the tape like it was last year. You see him making a real impact on every single game this entire season, whether it's the interception against Detroit. You got the fumble last week against uh, against Buffalo. He's all over the field. Without him, I honestly don't want to know what this defense would look like. I mean, he's getting breakdowns from Brian Baldinger every single week. I I have to go with
2: Jamal Adams on this one.
1: That's Greg's point. Dan, what's your point?
2: All right, so I love Jamal Adams, but... You better. And I hope he forgives me for what I'm about to do. (laughs) Uh, Let me paint you a picture here. Three seasons in the NFL, wandering in Jacksonville, a kicking average that never really went above 90. And now you're seeing somebody who put it all together at the right time. The perfect time. Jets brought him in. He tried out. Jets brought in other guys, Dan Bailey, all these other kickers that people thought were great. He beat them all. Everyone was wondering, what's going on? Is this this the guy? Are we going with Jason Myers this season? People were upset. He's 30 of 32 this season. That's 94%. He's 24, 25 extra points. We've seen the amount of extra points that have been missed this season. It's been ridiculous. They're literally deciding games. You can't not give it to Jason Myers. This is the story we all want. This is the quintessential comeback story. You know, this is, they're going to make a movie about this. This is movie worthy. <laughs> I would watch this. It'd be a great movie. I don't know what actor would play him, but it would be, it would be a good movie. <laughs> so yeah, I think you have to give the MVP to Jason Myers just because of the story, what he's come from, the amount of things and the amount of odds he had to overcome. Uh, I think he deserves it.
1: Greg, your rebuttal.
0: If Jason Myers is on any other of the other 31 teams, I don't. he does not have these stats. Todd Bowles plays a 30-to-30-yard, 30 30 um, the 30-yard line-to-the-30-yard line type of, of football game. The first week he realized um, that Jason Myers could kick long field goals, our destiny was set for the entire season. Todd Bowles knew that he had to call no offensive plays inside the 30 because Jason Myers would save him. I really can't give the MVP... To, to the kicker for as good as he's done when the coach's incompetence puts him in that situation.
1: As we go to Andrew for the verdict on this round, I'd like to point out that the only person that could play Jason Myers in a movie would have to be Michael Nanny. It's poetic justice. So <laughs> It has to be. Let's get that done if a Jason Myers movie happens. As we go to Andrew now to render a verdict, what do you think, Andrew? Who gets round number two?
3: Well, first of all, I'm already on, on Fandango looking up for advanced tickets to this Jason Myers movie. <laughs> and I look forward to supporting my buddy Michael. Um, so, one of the criterias we're given is color. And when Dan started to take a, to, to paint a picture for me, I was so ready to say, this is your point there. You won it. You literally did what requires painting a picture. And it's added color to this argument. But... You brought up Jacksonville and you brought up what his numbers were last year to this year. You made a better case for him being most improved player on the Jets or comeback player of the year. And I don't mean to pile on with what Greg is doing today, but he's kinda running up the score on you. Todd Bowles is the reason Jason Myers has these stats. The Jets inefficiency in the red zone is why he has these stats and we gotta give it to Greg. Jamal Adams is the one player that, if you asked around the league any expert to say a positive from this season for the Jets, it's Jamal Adams. So point to Greg on that one.
1: Wow, Greg up 2-0 early on, and he got quote tweeted by Jamal Adams. So he gets quote tweeted by Jamal, then defends him and wins a point here on What's Your Point? Two nothing, Greg Armstrong, and now we go into elimination phase Dan is in survival mode because if he doesn't win this point this game's over for the week so let's see if he can do something with his back up against the wall with this topic we just talked about voting for team MVP let's talk about pro bowl voting how many jets are going to make the pro bowl and who will they be Dan we'll start with you
2: all right so I have three jets in the pro bowl so starting with Jason Myers obviously uh movie will be out in 2019 hopefully <laughs> uh, Jamal Adams and Andre Roberts. And obviously all three of them have been keys to the Jets this season. Uh they've been awesome. Obviously Jason Myers and Andre Roberts on special teams have been stars. Jamal Adams is, you know, this he's a long term star. He's what we thought he was going to be. Um so he's really developing into that all pro player that uh we all imagined. So yeah, I think those three are definitely locks for the Pro Bowl. Um I don't really see any others. Um so yeah.
1: That's Dan's point. Greg, what's your point?
2: When I was going through the guys, it's 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 the three obvious
0: ones. It's Myers, it's Roberts, it's Jamar Adams. But, as we talked about before the show with Jets Twitter, the numbers, they certainly do not lie. Jermaine Johnson is a top-ten cornerback in this league, according to PFF. I can't not put a top-ten quarterback who missed five games into the Pro Bowl when PFF ranks him as the 10th best quarterback. I mean... You know, we we pile on Mac for making all of these bad decisions. And he goes out and he signs the top corner available on the free agent market and, lo and behold, he's top ten in the league. How could you not put that guy in the Pro Bowl along with the best kick returner in the game, the best kicker, and the best safety in the game? It's it's ludicrous to keep him out.
1: Dan, your rebuttal.
2: Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) I would say... uh, (laughs)
3: There's some
2: lasting memories from this season uh, that I use as a rebuttal. (laughs) The moment in Jacksonville where uh, Blake Bortles torched them, but uh, specifically, he had one play where he was about 15 yards behind a wide receiver and jogging uh, as he caught a bomb and went for the end zone. Uh, So just not a lot of great memories from Tremaine Johnson. I know the last two games have uh, been exciting for everybody, but uh, he hasn't been very good for most of the season, and he's been hurt for a good amount of the season. So, not only are the numbers based on a smaller sample size, uh, you know, they're ob- obviously uh, augmented by the interception totals that he's had. So, obviously, the the big game in Detroit, um, and then he's had the three interceptions the last two weeks that are kind of augmenting what really is has been an average to below average season for him. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know if I would put Jermaine Johnson in, especially with all the other uh, corners of the AFC. Andrew, you heard from
1: Dan and Greg. What do you say? Is this game going to continue, or has Greg won it on a clean sweep? How do I put this? Uh, Are you guys into basketball?
3: Do you follow the league at all?
1: Yes. Sure. Yes.
3: Okay. So, as Scott mentioned at the top, I cover the Knicks for Gotham. And... uh, I think this is starting to play out a lot like the 2016 NBA Finals. Uh, Greg arguing Jermaine Johnson in the Pro Bowl is Draymond Green getting suspended for Game 5, and now the Cavs have a shot back at this league, back at the championship, because Dan responding with Blake Bortles beat him, you know, made him look silly. It's more of a smaller sample size, and if it wasn't for his three picks in the last two games... He's probably not a top ten corner, let alone a top thirty corner this year. I know the lasting memory for me this year is just him jogging back after that exact play, jogging back on a touchdown. Uh, point goes to Dan uh, on this one. All three of the guys you mentioned are—if if the Jets are getting three, it's those three guys.
0: So, Dan, you're back in it. Let's if, you go. Gave, if you gave me the point for saying Jermaine Johnson, I would have loved <laughs>
1: it <laughs> Dan is still alive right now, and I have to say, I am a little bit disappointed in you boys because nobody brought up the magical man who does the punting for the Jets and has earned his paycheck, Lachlan Edwards. Definitely a go. Pro Bowl candidate. Isn't it sad, by the way, we're talking about Pro Bowl candidates. Other than Jamal Adams, we're talking about a kicker, a punter, and a kick returner. Number four and nine, yeah. What a team we root for, which brings me to my next question, and this is the one that will determine whether Greg wins it in regulation or we go into the overtime period, and that is this. The Jets would have had the number one overall pick if they had lost to the Buffalo Bills and then lost the rest of their games. This would have ensured that they got Nick Bosa, who looks like he's going to be an absolute stud as a pass rusher. Instead, we saw what Sam Darnold did, and he had a heck of a performance in the second half. But the question here is, are the Jets going to live to regret not quote-unquote tanking the rest of the season? Or was this an important moment for Sam Darnold that outweighs any good that could have come from getting the number one pick and presumably Nick Bosa? We'll start with you this time, Greg.
0: So I'm a big believer when it comes to the taking, not taking talk of letting the chips fall where they may. If you start trying to lose games, I think that's when, when karma catches up and things start to get wacky. So I'm a, a, like I said, big proponent of just kind of letting things play the way that they do. And... For, when you draft Sam Darnold with the third overall pick, you want to see these type of wins. You want to see him go into Buffalo in a, in a cold, windy December game on the road against your divisional opponent, and you want to see him go down and win a game like this. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, seeing this type of game from Darnold and the way that he came back and the, and the, the throws that he made, I mean, the touchdown to Robbie, the pass to Robbie that's set up, game-winning touchdown, that's going to pay more dividends down the road than moving up a few draft spots, e- even if it's to get Nick Bosa. I think him playing that the way that he did and them falling maybe a couple more draft spots down, you can, you can recoup that with the way that the season plays out and end up number three. I think the way Sam Donald played and what he showed us being a 21-year-old rookie on the road in December against a divisional opponent is worth way more than
2: moving up a a couple spots to get the number one pick for a couple weeks.
1: That's Greg's point. Dan, what's your point?
2: Watching Sam Darnold do what he did last week, lead the comeback, was super exciting and awesome and very important for his future. Um, But the question is about whether or not they'll regret it, whether or not they'll regret not getting the number one pick and uh, not kind of losing out the season. And honestly, I think they will, and it's not because of Sam Darnold's development or – um, anything else or all the positives they're getting um, from having him in there, I think they're going to regret it because they are going to keep Mike Mcagnan for next year's draft. Uh, so I think that getting out of that number one pick, the further away you get from the top, the more concerning it is for their draft selection. Um, and I think that they will probably end up around five or six and Mcagnan's going to end up taking an interior defensive lineman or something. Uh, I think all the edge players are going to go right above them, three, four, five, wherever they land. I think uh, if they land in the five and six range, all of the edge rushers they want could just fade away just like that because the rest of the NFL teams see how important an effective edge rusher is, um, and they are willing to bypass some of their lighter needs or more obvious needs to make sure that they have a good pass rush, like we see with Denver and Bradley Chubb. That worked out. Him and Von Miller, they're kings right now. Uh, and they're hoisting up that terrible Broncos roster. So someone like John Elway hoped to help his own cause, uh, by getting two awesome edge rushers. Uh, but you know, the Jets, you know, they haven't shown me that they can, they can make the right decisions on draft day. So I think they regret it because they're further away from what would be an obvious pick in someone like Nick Bosa.
1: Greg, your rebuttal.
2: So I battled with this for for weeks now about Bosa and the
0: other edge guys, if we're strictly just talking about edge in the draft now, and while it would be nice to have a Nick Bosa on this team, I think, I don't think they're going to get bypassed with the with the edges in this draft. I mean, when you have Josh Allen, you have Cleveland Farrell, Ja'Kai Polite, Brian Burns at the top, it's, 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 it's going to be really hard to miss on one of those guys, and this is a really deep edge class, and Looking at it, it's 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 kind of a point of would you rather have Sam Donald play bad just to get Nick Bosa? I don't think that's true. While the drop-off, I think from the, edges, the group of edges behind Bosa is pretty significant. I still think you can get really great edge talent from the position that they'd be picking in probably somewhere in the three to five or six range. You could still get talent, in that range while still seeing Sam Donald develop. So I think, I think it's completely fine that we saw them drop a couple spots and you can still get the edge that you want. And maybe even Jonah Williams in that spot.
1: Will Dan get eliminated or is he going to live to see an overtime period? Andrew, what do you think?
3: So I gotta say when I first heard Greg's point, it's exactly how I felt. Um, as I mentioned, being a member of NBA Twitter, nothing is worse when it comes to, as far as cesspools of Twitter goes, than Knicks Twitter after a win, because they're so mad that their team won a basketball game, <laughs> and tanking is the most annoying thing to advocate for, because it's rooting for your team to lose. I'm a big proponent of just draft, be smart with your draft pick, draft, draft the best player available where you are selected, you know. But, it's Sammy Watkins at, what was it, 6 over Odell at 10? I'm pretty sure we know who won that. Uh, but then, Dan put in my head that he might have just, that they might save Mike McCagan's job. And that, that, that put more fear in me than anything that came out of this. So... As much as I agree with Greg, Dan, okay. you get the point. We have a tied up series here.
1: Uh, <laughs> Dan, you clever SOB, bringing Mike McCagnon into this one to save yourself, and it worked. What a strategy.
0: Dan is the bad part of Jets Twitter right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he learned something from all those Jets Twitter summaries <laughs> that he's done over the last couple of years. As we head now into the overtime period, and as per the rules, our guest host Andrew is going to come up with the question here. So, Andrew, you've got a question that you're going to ask that none of us know. Greg and Dan are going to have to figure out how to respond on the fly, and then whoever does better is going to be the winner this week. So go ahead, Andrew.
3: Okay, well, as we were talking about cesspool twitters, I'm sure you guys have wandered into Giants Twitter every now and then and seen how they have reacted throughout this season. The beginning of the year, trashing Saquon Barkley in a pick, especially when Eli's been so bad and they should have drafted a quarterback, but then following up the last few weeks after a couple wins and somehow still being in the playoff race, praising the Saquon Barkley pick and how Eli might even be good for next season. And I think from the Jets' perspective, What would you have rather have happened, especially where we are right now? Would you have wanted the Giants to take a quarterback at two and and wanted Saquon to fall to you? Or are you very happy with having Sam Darnold to this point in the season? Dan, I believe it is your turn to go first.
2: This is my favorite topic on Jets and Giants Twitter. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, I I am very, very happy with Sam Darnold. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that Giants fans can uh, somehow twist this every week into saying, you know, well, look, we have a generational spirit at running back. Um, you know, we have this guy who can do things that nobody else can do uh, at running back. And they're not seeing that the – at running back is the key <laughs> to the argument. Uh, I think the Jets are in a good position where they are. Um, I think that if the Giants took the quarterback, it would have actually been the smart thing. Um, and it's honestly, my my favorite part about this is that every week I get to watch uh, the difference between Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers at kind of the same point in their career and just see how much better Phillip Rivers is than Eli Manning. And just, it really vindicates me because I was somebody on that day who was so confused by what was going on. I was a youngling at that time, though. But uh, <laughs> I was like, what is going Why-, Why did Eli Manning just get to choose his own team? Why are they doing this to Phillip Rivers? You know, and I felt bad for him. So seeing him get this vindication late in his career that, oh, yeah, no, I'm actually like 10 times the quarterback Eli Manning is right now. Uh, but I've just been on a bad team my whole, my whole career. Uh, whereas the Giants have been kind of saddling Eli Manning for his whole life. Uh, after he's, after those two Super Bowls and, uh, kind of trying to keep him upright. Uh, but he's just, he's fading. And the more they keep believing he can do it, the worse off the franchise is in the long run. And the more likely the Jets can kick them out of, uh, Met Stadium and keep it to themselves. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with Sam Darnold. He's going to be a star. Uh, very happy the Giants didn't take a quarterback because I think it would have been him.
1: That's Dan's point. Greg, what's your point?
2: So I'm looking at it from the
0: perspective of, a lot of the energy for the the Saquon Barkley pick as opposed to a quarterback is directed at, at Jets fans right now. It's oh well look at how good Saquon is. What's Sam's stats? He leads the league in interceptions, blah 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 blah. If they would have taken a quarterback, their whole fan base would have been divided. It would have exploded from within. Because there's no should, there's no chance that quarterback starts this year. And Eli's not good. And it would have just been an at like we think Twitter is a cesspool now. I would directly insert myself into every single Jets or Giants argument of should this rookie quarterback play over Eli because it's literally going to take Eli dying for him not to play. And just the whole fan base divided watching Eli play bad with this uh, rookie quarterback on the bench. Watching watching that fan base just rip each other apart from within. As us Jets fans sit from afar, whether they took Saquon Barkley or whatever with the third pick, I think that would be the most fun I've had on Twitter probably ever because the Jets have been looked at as little brother for forever to this Giants fan base. And seeing the next possible great thing sitting on the bench while Eli is throwing, you know, 20 yard lobs in the air, 20 yard ducks, would just delight my entire world.
2: Dan, your rebuttal. Honestly, so if, if Giants fans, they wanted to see uh, a running back, but they also, you know, they kind of want both the best of both worlds. They want to believe that Eli Manning can still do what he, what, uh, he used to be able to do, and they want to believe that they have, uh, you know, this, this guy that's going to be uh, this incredible running back for a long term. Um, obviously, one of those is true, whereas the other is not. But really, they could have just had both if they just took Josh Allen. They would have had the running back, and they would have had a quarterback <laughs> to believe in for the future, uh, and yeah, you know, they, they passed on that. They passed on an opportunity to please every faction of the fan base. But you know, it's you, you can't you can't really fault them. You know, they they want this guy that's has connections to New Jersey, he wants to be a giant. You know, he really wanted to be part of the team. So fine, you know, you go with Saquon Barkley. But they could have had both with Josh Allen.
1: The overtime period is complete. Now all we need to know is who won it. So Andrew, what do you say?
3: Well, I gotta say, Dan, I was I was so ready to complete the Cavs comeback and yeah. say that you say that you did it because for one, I have been on team Philip Rivers is better forever. Yeah. I it is the most annoying thing to talk to a Giants fan about Eli Manning and put him into some kind of context because they can't. It's impossible. He's the greatest quarterback ever. He won two Super Bowls. Is it, 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 that's going to be on his tombstone. We're going to ignore how inefficient he's been. We're going to ignore how the defense has carried him to those two Super Bowls. No, it's, he won two Super Bowls. Shut up. You're stupid. You're a Jets fan. And I thought you wanted it. And then, like I said, if you paint a picture for me, you probably win the game. Because I imagine the world. Like, I have to take this to baseball. As a Mets fan right now, who's been little brother my whole life. It is incredible watching Yankee fans flip out that their team won't spend $800 million on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado the year after they won 100 games and set the home run record because that's what will help them improve eight games to be better than the Red Sox. Or just maybe the Red Sox won't be as good this year. Um, Greg, paint that picture of Giants fans losing their mind uh, because Eli Manning throws duck after duck and isn't saved – by a Saquon Barkley that uh, can turn his five-yard check down into a 65-yard pass um, and losing their minds because their backup quarterback is the rookie that they drafted it to, and then even turning on Eli, which I never thought I'd see happen. Greg, you staved off the collapse, and you came away
0: with the victory today, sir.
1: (laughs) All right, Greg, look at you finding a way to hang on for dear life and win this week. By the way, I will also throw in with what you guys said, Philip Rivers is not only 10 times better than Eli Manning right now, he's always been 10 times better Bingo. than Eli Manning, even going back to college when he was at NC State and Eli was at Ole Miss, and the whole entire argument always comes down to, like you said, Philip Rivers is better at A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, two rings, bro, two rings, two rings, that's all that you ever hear. So that's the giant fan argument in response because there's literally no other argument that you can make.
0: Ferber also has ten times as many kids as Eli. So that's another thing. He's ten times better than him.
1: He is oh, ten guys. times more fertile than Eli. you got to give him credit for that. <laughs> it's not a small feat in this day and age
0: better quarterback and better sperm love it
1: (laughs) (laughs) greg congratulations and a hell of a point to go out on by the way but now you get 30 seconds to say whatever you want a little bit of bragging rights here so the floor is yours sir wow
0: um so with dan on the show today i can't not bring this up i just hope dan is ready for the two beatdowns oh, no. that my Duke Blue Devils are going Ooh. to hand to his North Carolina Tar Heels this season. <laughs> I hope he's I hope he's ready. I hope I'm gonna send every video of Zion with his head at the top of the backboard to Dan in these matchups. I hope everyone in the North Carolina arena is ready for Zion to break the rim. <laughs> I just hope that he's ready. He's prepared. I'm here if he needs to talk about it. I just hope that he's prepared himself for the two beatdowns that my Duke Blue Devils are going to hand to his North Carolina Tar Heels this college basketball season. (laughs)
3: Hiding under a desk. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me I just gave a victory to a Blue Devil fan?
0: I've already won. It's written. I'm in my car. I'm on the. I'm on, I left the arena. <laughs> Tell me. Dan, I I apologize. us man got to stick together. I realized what
3: I was doing. I was, I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: all you say is, as a Nets fan, I don't care who wins the Duke North Carolina thing as long as Zion ends up in a Nets uniform next year. And I'm sure that Andrew and I are not going to see eye to eye on that one.
0: <laughs> or you can just trade us more of your picks, Scott. You can oh. just trade the Celtics more, more of
1: your picks. Greg, you forget. I know where you live. I will come up there and slap <laughs> you, boy. <laughs> we'll be hanging out at the Carrier Dome, and halfway through the Syracuse game, we'll be like, hey, Greg, remember that comment you made about... The Celtics trade and the Nets, yeah,
0: bam. Let's take a walk, Greg. Let's get some fresh air.
1: Greg, I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. (laughs) Andrew, thank you so much for jumping in this week. You did a great job. I hope you'll come back soon. For anybody that's unfamiliar with what you're up to over at Gotham Sports Network, why don't you go ahead and give them the information. Also, you've got a GoFundMe going right now, so please give out the information for that, too. Alright, well honestly
3: this is a lot of fun guys. I I, I wouldn't wanna be doing anything else. This is a blast. And uh Goslow Sports Network, we have nine podcasts, uh one for each every New York team except the Nets. Apologies. I guess we'll have to start working on that. Um, but we got a whole podcast network and blogs and all of your favorite teams are to have a concentration there. We are now on Spotify as well. That is a long process that that took, and it's finally there. So, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch Radio, and SoundCloud. Uh, And if you look at my pinned tweet, uh, my uncle had a very serious stroke a couple weeks ago, and he's he's really struggling right now. But uh, he's staying positive, and we're trying to stay positive, too. Um, My cousins, unfortunately, have had to move out of their house because they can't afford it, obviously. So... That's honestly been my week, but again, we are all staying as positive as possible. If you want to help out with our medical expenses, with my cousin's medical expenses, I started to go fund me It's a pinned tweet on my profile. The support we've already gotten has been overwhelming, so I appreciate to, uh, these strangers, honestly, that have, have sent something to, to help us out. Uh, it's really meant a lot, the generosity of people that I've never seen in the flesh. So, again, it's my pinned tweet on Twitter. Um, I, I again, I appreciate it. And, guys, this was fun. Um, Go Heels, go America. But, Greg, it was fun getting to meet you
0: today.
1: You too, man. This is good. I don't want to put pressure on anybody, so... If you can't afford to give, don't worry about it. But if you can and you can find it in your heart this holiday season, please help out Andrew and his family. Like he said, his pinned tweet is up right now so you can get all the information there. Andrew, thanks again. And by the way... If you are looking for somebody to do a Nets podcast, it's possible I could be persuaded if you ask nicely and bake me some cupcakes like the Jets did for Dante Hightower in the offseason. The only difference uh-huh. is you might be able to land me, whereas I don't think the Jets ever had a chance at Dante Hightower.
3: Well, well My people will call your people. We'll be in touch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again, Andrew. And thank you for listening to What's Your Point. I
3: have exercised the demons. This house is clear.